What I don't hear people talking about very much um, is the culture and the expectation that we're going to have less in the future. Um, and we need to have less and we need to consume less because we have a junk economy and it's not just junk food. It's not just junk plastic. There's just junk everywhere. We're all, we're all marketed junk all day long that keeps this booming economy growing all the time. I'm Johnny Prest, and this is the Brand Master Flash Podcast. Your brand is your community. It's their instinctive connectedness with you in their hearts and minds. This podcast explores how to define and deliver a brand strategy that is true to who you really are. It will inspire your team, connect you with your customers, and make a positive difference. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, it's Johnny here. The tagline for this show is enlightened brand strategy. So what does that mean? Enlightened is the pathway. It's a direction for positive change and growth. Brand is an identity within a perceived space and strategy is a game plan. So it's building an identity and building a community for positive change and growth. I had the opportunity to speak to an inspiring person who does exactly that. It's Hugo Tagholm. Hugo is the chief executive for Surfers Against Sewage. They're a marine conservation charity, an ocean conservation charity. They fight against plastic pollution, sewage pollution, pollution, They are right at the forefront um, and campaigning to protect our seas and our rivers and our oceans and our wet spaces. Hugo is truly inspirational. He's been doing this for years and years and years. He's been campaigning for a long time and he's right there in in the thick of it, really fighting the cause his cause and the cause around the world to try and protect our oceans and our seas. So we spoke about lots of different things. We talked about his life in Cornwall. We talked about the the work that he does. But we also spoke quite a lot about how how can people contribute? How can people help? How can businesses think differently about their contribution to zero waste or pollution? to using less single-use plastics and really working hard to make a difference. So here's the conversation. This is Hugo Tagholm, the Chief Executive of Surfers Against Sewage. Enjoy. Hugo, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm, I'm good. I'm a bit tired. Um, I've, I've had a sort of a week of, of running around to different events, um, which has been inspirational. But I've just been um, on a lot of trains over the last uh, sort of 72 hours. And, and you, you're based in Cornwall. Are you still there? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm in Corn, back in Cornwall now. I'm based in Cornwall. Um, our office is up on the north coast of Cornwall in a village called St Agnes. It has been for many, many years. And um, it overlooks the beautiful Atlantic, the environment that we're here to champion, the ocean, the one global ocean that connects everyone in the world um, and is vital to everyone in the world. So um, I'm probably one of the few um, CEOs who has the privilege of, of looking out across the environment that they're there to, uh, to, um, to help preserve and restore. Yeah, amazing. Well, it's beautiful blue skies here in Leicester. And I'm guessing it is down your way. It's, it's always blue skies all the time in Cornwall, is it? It never rains down there. Yeah, it's there. actually boiling hot. It's a bit too hot here. No, it's not. It's the, the sun is is making an appearance between a few clouds. Um, I got off the train and went straight for a swim um, nearby, um, near my house on the river in the near the Carrot Roads um, in, uh, in, uh, in between Truro and Falmouth. And uh, the sun was coming out. The water was silky smooth and beautiful. It just had a quick 10, 15 minute dip, but it was uh, pretty special. 
I'm, well, actually, I'm going to ask you a question now, but I think I'm already, I already know the answer. But do you do you swim and surf all year round, or is there a cutoff point, or are you just 365 days a year? Yes. Well, look, if I it's, it's all year round. I'd love to to actually surf 365 days of the year, but I probably probably get to surf about you know half of half of that. Um, if that, if I'm lucky, um, because of a busy, busy sort of work schedule that that often will take me away from waves too. Um, but uh, yeah, surf all year round, swim all year round. Used to see um, as much as I can, so um, I um, ride waves on the north south, on the north coast, on the south coast, um, in in all parts of the county and other parts of the country. Um, I swim sort of longer swims in my wetsuit and swim in my shorts a lot over the summer and the autumm and the sort of shoulders of the season um, and um, yeah sort of just explore the coastline in various ways um, and ride various craft um, which is probably part of what's quite a big movement now the sort of the fringe surfing movement not just not just surfing pointy shortboards but surfing all sorts of things depending on the waves magic amazing so you've just got back from the the blue earth summit tell me a little bit about that how did it go what was it like yeah well look um it was it was first of all it's sort of nice to see the world opening up a bit more and live events happening without too much anxiety or too too much protocol around them in terms of the, the pandemic that we're all you know we've all been been subject to the last couple of years and um, so it's really it was really nice to see people it was a very you know um friendly audience people that we know very well by and large so it was a, a familiar audience um Um, and it reminded me a lot of an event that we did a couple of years ago um, called the, the global wave conference um so it was nice i gave a keynote speech um and um seemed to go down well i always sort of think people you know let other people who, who listen to it judge it um rather than myself but um you know it's good to communicate what we're doing and and really my job is to talk about the, the sort of bigger sort of issues and the The, the, the way we build movements and need to build movements to try and change the systems um, that we're um, all living in at the moment that are causing so much damage yeah when you, when you come back from these events and when you're there do you get a feel that the needle is moving do you get a feel that there's positive change happening does it give you encouragement that there's other things going on how do you feel when you're kind of at these events is it encouraging Um, yeah look I mean there's always a lot of inspiration there's creative inspiration there's inspiration about the things people are doing to to uh, try and be more sustainable or protect the planet so I, I do feel inspired to have you know fantastic conversations with people and we're a charity about people and planet and where people engage with the planet you know particularly through surfing and using the sea we're more than surfers you know people who swim people who sail people who kayak people who you know, rivers or ocean wherever they may be people who love the ocean wherever they may be and want to take action so so I, i i feel inspired by the stories that people tell me the stories of business and sustainability the stories of the issues they want to fight for um to protect the planet to protect people to restore the planet um because you know we're in a really crucial age i think we're in the environmental decade so these things are a part of it I think it's important as well to recognize that the events are a place that we talk about action and we inspire people but the real results of that is what happens on the ground and where people really are committed to delivering um, you know what they talk about and that's something that I, I hope that we do at surface against sewage that we don't just walk the walk that we um, you know not, we don't just talk the talk we walk the walk as well. Um, and that's so um so important now and that's what people will be thinking about as we move towards cop 26 that there'll be a lot of chest beating there'll be a lot of rhetoric there'll be a lot of big speeches and commitments but but really it won't be the 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 first week and second week of november in glasgow that will make the difference it will be all of the actions that truly are taken after glasgow to make the difference um to the, the the sort of future we can have um on this this fragile um blue planet that we we live on so so it does it does inspire me to see people um and uh, hear different things and see different tactics you know i've just also come back from not just the blue earth summit but i was up at a big ted event in 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 edinburgh and i got to talk on a sort of an ocean panel there um, with some brilliant people um But um, but there are some sort of disruptive things to it. You know, there was a, a I was watching some of the um, speeches, and there was a, a, a panel with 
representatives from the oil industry, the CEO of Shell and, and some, some activists and the activists really laid into the, 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 the man rightfully so about some of their lack of commitment, lack of action and their, their actual sort of greenwashing and lies. And they uh, staged a walkout uh, banners, normal stuff. And I walked out with them. I thought, yes, we can't, we can't be, we can't be inviting you know, the, the most damaging industry on the stage to try and make their excuses. Um, we need to keep the, the pressure up. We need really rapid change and a, a really well-planned transition away from fossil fuels. And we need to end fossil fuels as soon as possible. Um, um, we know that it can't happen tomorrow, but we do need a, a much better and more ambitious plan to uh, to get to the world that will be just and equitable for everyone, not just uh, the the wealthiest people in the, in the most developed nations. Um, but the, the wealthiest people, including most of probably the people who listen to this podcast, um, will need to use their privilege to be able to champion what needs to happen and um, why it needs to happen for everyone, not just for the few. Yeah, totally agree. It's amazing that you talked about the plan transition because actually my, a lot of my questions are based around that to you. And it's a lot about the roadmap. So just to go back a couple of stages, I, I got led on to um, Surface Against Sewage about a year ago, and then obviously then on to you. Firstly, yeah. massive tip of my hat to you and the work that you do. Um, in my small world here in Leicester, in my small community, plastic pollution is a big thing to yeah. us in terms of something that we're really working hard to try and improve it in our own little world but in the work that we do and the messages that we're putting out there and the work that we do with our clients we're trying to contribute and, and try and do some good positive things yeah and for my own opinion at the moment is like we're, we're we're bombarded every day with big global challenges from health politics and the environment and it feels for me and i'm sure this is different for you well i don't know if it is different for you but sewage pollution marine wildlife and eliminating plastic pollution it just seems really spot low down on the agenda compared to other things when when what well, and the question i suppose is how do we get more people talking about it and how do we have more meaningful conversations i mean just 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 unpack that slightly. So it's far from the agenda. What do you think is on their agenda? Well, I think in the last 18 months, COVID has yeah. dominated. Yeah. Um, I think I think people are talking about climate change. But if I just put a spotlight on part of that question, plastic pollution, it surrounded us. You can't breathe with it. You know, single-use plastic, the way that people yeah. use plastic and 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 waste plastic. It does. That just doesn't seem that it's on people's like agendas to to tackle that right now, and and it's annoying. And it and I, I that really isn't a question. There, it's more of just a statement. But I suppose the question is, how do we get? How do we move the needle Look, on plastic pollution? I think there's a, there's a there's a few things here, and I think we you know we are at a time that that um, that um, we need to see much much more radical action on on. on plastic pollution on water quality issues um, and we're seeing um, of course the the massive climate and biodiversity and ecological crisis I um I think we're communicating with a lot of people we've come through the blue planet effect reaching you know millions of people in households there's organizations including service against sewage but not exclusively us you know many brilliant organizations talking to the public about um, plastic pollution about habitat loss about you know things that they should do in their day-to-day -day life to make a difference and I think there's there's a bit of a, a sort of a, a a trick here that's happening that that is an age-old um sort of business trick which is it, it's really about individual behavior um things like that you know the, you know when people talk footprint you know that came from the oil industry they they invented that to make it about individual responsibility um the plastics industry invented the sort of littering sort of um sort of you know paradigm um and talked about pollution being being driven by individuals not corporations um, and we're seeing the same from the water industry they talk about solving their problems by by public information campaigns of people not flushing um, period products or sanitary products down the toilet. Now, this is all to, to absolve them of responsibility. Um, now, now we, can all, we can all play our part 
and we can decide how we're going to protect the world in different ways on an individual basis. Um, we can choose to, to change our diet. We can choose not to use plastics. We can choose um, not to flush um, the wrong things down the toilet. We can choose to do all sorts of things. But, you know, ultimately we're all trapped within a system. And what we really need to see now is the individual action that's needed most is us combining our voices to demand that the systems change. The economic system that's unjust, the, the, um, the, the energy system, which is still, you know, fossil fuel subsidies um, um, from, from all nations, um, the plastic system. And we need to demand more. We need to really have the systems that can contain and control the plastic in this world and other pollutants, sewage and other things. We need to make sure that carbon emissions are stopped from source. Let's just take it from a, the pandemic and you talked about the pandemic being the top of people's minds. Over 2020, we saw one of the biggest reductions in carbon dioxide that the world has ever seen, you know, since the Industrial Revolution. So 7%. That's from everyone not traveling to see their friends and family, not going on holiday, not um, commuting to work. So you imagine 93% is the system that needs to be changed because every individual action there is taken. So you've got to look at how much more needs to be done by the system that is, is controlling us. Um, so it's really about us uniting our individual actions to demand change because um, business would love it if we all, as the public, argued amongst ourselves about more people needing to take action and more people needing to do this, that and the other. That's a small part of it. The big part of it is businesses and governments putting the, 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 the societal playing field in place that is actually sustainable and circular and regenerative for the planet because unless they create that for us to live within as it were and to use for our day-to-day -day lives we're going to be in big trouble and we you know we could look at the the transport system i mean ultimately we know in cities particularly we've got to move away from the private private motor vehicle we've got to move towards a, you know proper you know good public transport and roads for that are, or, or transport systems that are, are are made for everyone that are cheap and efficient and roads that are reclaimed for people and nature and where we get rid of the sort of emissions, um, both, you know, the plastic particulate from tires and the carbon dioxide from engines um, into, uh, you know, we, we've, got to, we've got to get rid of that because we're in a dangerous time where people can be fooled into thinking that they, um, that we're just going to replace everything we have with something that is more environmental. And there's no better example than a than an electric car. It's a total fallacy that we're gonna all just replace every single car out on our street with, with electric cars over the next 10, 15 years. That's not the solution. It's gonna create the next ticking time bomb of environmental disaster um, of all of the rare minerals that are needed for batteries, all of the resources that are needed to make those cars. And so we need to really think longer and harder about what a sustainable world looks like around us. Electric cars will be part of it, but not at the scale that we have motor vehicles individually at the moment. No, that's really interesting. You know, like we're replacing one bigger problem with a slightly, probably less smaller problem. And I suppose if we were to look at plastic waste, yeah, we can re replace packaging we can replace things but it doesn't change consumption it doesn't change health and it doesn't change diet and it doesn't change nutrition so i see where you're seeing that you know we've got to go back a few layers and look at what a sustainable life really looks like uh, and look at the the start of this um you mentioned a lot about the system that you know you talked about and am amplifying your voice and be a collective voice to, to fight against the system that we all live in. So to take that, to, to go back onto that question, from a ground level and to the everyday person who believe really strongly about this, how can we, beyond our voice, start to think about how can we affect and change this system that we currently all live in? What's a good starting That's point? You know, find, find communities. And we're seeing an incredible era, and it's not dissimilar to the 1990s when SAS started. In the 1990s were this decade when people were rising up against unfair social um, situations, unfair taxes, unfair and damaging environmental practices. So we had the poll tax riots, there was 
the famous swampy chaining himself to trees and burying himself underground to stop bypasses. We saw all sorts of things. And I'm old enough to remember that really vividly. Um, and um, we saw surface against sewage rising up against sewage pollution. And that decade was a decade of, of actually sort of sweeping and rising uh, legislation. It was a sort of a rising tide of good legislation and also, you know, environmental legislation and also sort of finance for regulators to operate properly. We're seeing the same sort of thing now. We're seeing like a really, really good decade of, of environmental movements and people rising up against things. The sort of social movement, people coming together on, you know, values based um, and, um, you know, really, really strong campaigns that can can change the world for the better. Um, sadly, we've got a dropping tide of legislation and and uh, and sort of enforcement and regulation at the moment. Um, so, I mean, it's not just dropping tide. The tide's like the lowest it's ever been. Um, and we seem to, you know, we seem to be calmly um, accepting it, you know, where where governments are unable to uh, and unwilling to tax the mega, mega rich. They quickly came in to tax all of the hardworking people in this country um, to try and recoup the money spent during the pandemic. They've just taken away the, 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 the lifeline of that £20 extra per week for the poorest in society. I mean, whilst the, the, the mega wealthy have got nothing but richer during the last two years um, by, a, by a staggering amount, um, in some cases so much that they can build rockets to take themselves to the edge of outer space and uh, be, be, be celebrated in the media. So we live in a really sort of crazy time where we, we need to think about, you know, coming together even more to demand the world that, that we want to see. Um, and, and what I would say to anyone is take your actions. Every action counts. So, you know, whether you're a beach cleaner and you're picking up plastic, whether you're deciding, you know, and whether you decide you want an electric car because some electric cars will be part of it, whether you're changing your diet, whether you're doing, you know, a plastic-free, you know, year, whatever you do. And these are good things. But really importantly, we've got to connect together at the right political moments to demand change. And that can be as sort of extreme as a general election, um, voting for, you know, a party that will really change policies and reform, um, you know, things in, in your eyes through to things like the Environment Bill or COP26 or G7, when we can come together to, to demand a change. Now, none of them are absolute, so it's always a sort of a, a process. So you know, no doubt people will be disappointed after COP26. It won't quite realise everything they hoped. But what we need to do is keep, keep pushing in the right direction, because I do think we're going to be in the most radical sort of environmental decade ever, and we should look at it, about it sensibly. We should be thinking about what we want to see by 2030, not what we want to see by um, you know 2030 tomorrow. It should be it should be actually um, a, a realistic but but reachable time frame, which you know in your life you go right by that deck by that the end of this decade. You know we'll see rivers running free of sewage pollution. We'll see bathing waters on rivers. We'll see much less single use plastic on our beaches. We'll see proper action finally taken on climate change. Um, we'll see the transition away from fossil fuels really understood um, and underway. And so all of those things, um, you know, can be things that within our near term lifetime, if we come together and keep calling for them, they, they will happen. Whereas when people talk about net zero in 2050, people are like, I, I don't even really know whether I'll be alive in 2050. I don't know what the world will look like. It feels too far away. We need some short-term uh, sort of goals and lines in the sand that can take us to a much better place. And 2030 is a perfect date for us to do that. Magic. Awesome. Right, Hugo, I'm going to move on to my quick fire questions now. Yeah. I say they're quick fire. They normally give the longest answers, but they're okay. normally the, they're normally the best answers. Yeah. Um, I've been asking this question now since the beginning of the pandemic, and, it, and I, I love asking it, but what's the most important thing that you've learned in the last 18 months? That's a really good question. Um, I've learned a, a couple of couple of things. Um, I think I've learned a lot about resilience um, and and what communities can do if they really come together. Um, it's been a time that we've really had to listen to each other much more um, because people have responded to the pandemic in different ways and are coming out of it in different ways. And so we really need to understand each other much more. And I've learned most of all how human connections are and whilst I'm speaking to you on zoom which is all good actually proper human connections are are face-to-face -face, where we can where we can you know read each other and communicate in in 
the sort of subtle, the nuanced ways that that, that really really um, help us build the right relationships. And so, so I think um, I've learned that the power of, of people um, and people coming together um, is, is is so important for this world. Um, and that um, and I probably learned a lot about SAS and how unique our organisation is and how important it can be for this decade of creating change. Yeah, I agree totally. Okay, next one. Um, your best teacher. Um, well, I'll just say what came to my, came to mind. A woman called Mrs. Hartridge, who was a teacher in my infant school. Um, can't actually really remember um, exactly what she taught me. She's a generalist, but um, I just remember her being very kind and very enthusiastic about all of the children in the class. Okay, well, I'll, I'm going to flip that question. Then your best mentor. My best mentor, and that's a really good question. I've worked for some really, I've worked with and for some brilliant people um, in my time. Um, um, Sarah Brown, Gordon Brown's wife, was a, a great mentor to me. Um, um, another boss, Dr. Ashok Sinha from the Climate Coalition, who now runs this London cycling um, campaign. Um, brilliant, brilliant person. Um, you know, often with mentors, I think they might not even know how much they do for you because you just watch and absorb you don't necessarily you don't necessarily actually get told or instructed and then you just watch how people operate and you learn a lot from them um and um um yeah i probably sort of cite those two um you know most of all um and the ocean you know love it up. yeah i love it okay like, just the third one then your toughest decision My toughest decision. Um, but it's. I think my. I think. I'm not sure decisions I find tough. I think. I think decisions are always like liberating, because, because it's not making a decision that's tough. It's not being clear that's tough so I think it's the things that the things that are, have, have sort of have worried me are things where I haven't made a decision yet so I'm, I'm not sure I ever find the, the decisions tough um I think it's more um the lack of decision sometimes um and and where I haven't yet made a decision that it's it, it's more difficult um if that's not too much of a sitting on the fence no no I like it that's cool Cool. Well, the, the name of the show is called Brandmaster Blush. And, and the, the, main, the main subject area of the, of the podcast is about brand building. But let me refine brand and what brand means to me. So yeah. for me, brand is, and brand building, it's, it's creating an identity that fits within a perceived space. So when I talk about identity, it's not just about visual, it's the, it's the language that we speak, mm -hmm. it's the message that we give. The space is often the category of the work that we work in. And mm -hmm. I truly believe But when that brand fills that space, you can build a community and you can build mm -hmm. a community that, and, that can do great things. And that's where enlightened brand strategy comes from, the tagline of the show, that I'm, I'm looking to work with brands and help brands or listen to brands that are creating an identity in a perceived space but actually growing towards positive change and growth and you know that's everything that like you stand for about positive change and growth and I think now it's important that brands have this true mindset and not just a a corporate social responsibility that's bolted onto the back of a business. I'm talking about it actually being from the heart and being true, the the, the main truth of what brands yeah. are and um, want to be. But how? But that's and this is reality now. How do we encourage brands to be truer and to really connect with the important things that are happening right now? Because as as a businesses have to play a huge responsibility in this. And I know that's a big audacious question there. But you know what? What's what's the? How do they start changing mindset? Where do they start? Well, look, I think they have to. You know, I mean, we all have to think about the values of of, of the business we run or we we <clears throat> we work for, um, and um, and you know, I'd encourage any business to to think up think about that. Um, and you know, to your point of of um, 
you know, to bolt-ons. I mean, people don't want bolt-ons. And I think particularly with the, you know, the the the, the, the rising generation, um, you know, um, moving into the jobs market or, you know, early in, on in their careers, you know, they want much more from the place they work. They want, you know, they want to work in places that care, that, that care about the world, that care about other people, that care about them as employees, that recognise um, their needs, um, that care about diversity and inclusion. Um, and so the, the, the new sort of workforce wants and needs much more, and that's good. It pushes, pushes all businesses to do better. Um, I think I think companies need to be aware of, of what they're saying and what they're doing and how that needs to connect um, because they, many can come out with marketing campaigns and and um, and um, statements about their what they want to do on ethical environmental issues and they don't actually match up with with the uh, the actions they take or the products they make. And where there's a, a disconnect, it's going to create a, 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 a real challenge for their culture internally and externally. Um, and we see that with, you know, fast fashion brands that try and be, you know, try and make a play for the ethical, sustainable sort of space. Um, we see it, as I did at the TED lectures, where oil companies try and say that they're doing loads for the environment, but yet are contesting, um, you know, lawsuits that say they've got to reduce their their carbon emissions you know these these things if it doesn't add up it, you'll be found out so you've got to make sure that your your words and actions actually match um and that you're doing everything you can to to uh, to live up to, to to your statements um and I, I would probably say from our perspective um um the, the brand should think about you know you know where they really want to be and position themselves in the market and how big they really want to be. I think we've got a, you know, we've got a fixation on sort of growth in our, you know, our economy is based around growth, of course, and um, and everything then then cascades down from that. So without perpetual growth, no one's sort of happy and, and don't feel they're doing well. And I wonder whether, you know, brands are good at a, a, a small size that can actually be in control of the things in, in their sort of value chain that they, they really care about. Um, and actually um, stay sustainable because big doesn't necessarily mean better. Um, big doesn't necessarily mean you retain control. And we often see the story of brands going wrong as they try and scale and losing their values and losing their direction and, and um, losing their focus and drifting into other areas they were never designed to be in and letting their core customer base down. And, and normally that's just in the pursuit of money. That's in the pursuit of founders going, you know, we just want to get bigger, 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 get the, the, the venture capitalists in and, and, and go further and faster. And maybe as, as you know, small brands like Howie's decided to do, you know, who sold to Timberland and then bought it back to keep a company that decided not to grow ambitiously, just to keep, keep its employees happy, doing good jobs, making good clothes and, uh, and keep keeping on moving. And people should really think about that sort of whole dynamic because you really have one life and, you know, you can eternally chase this next bit of growth, but ultimately you can never grow time back. That's so true. And we, that's the thing with biz, most organisations is this drive for economic growth because most businesses feel if we're not growing financially and the, and the line's going up, then ultimately we're failing and, we, you know, we, they can yeah. collapse and go under, which is we know is not the truth. You know, yeah. look at other bands like Howie's Patagonia that they show that you don't have to, you don't have to be like that. And you can have growth, but you can grow in other ways, being purpose driven, looking at sustainability and being the front runner and not just doing it because you think, oh, we can, we can make money out of this. Although purpose driven brands can be profitable, mm -hmm. but actually it's a change in mindset. And I think if we can have braver leaders, braver founders, braver C CEOs, who can lead the way and go, there is a different way here. And ultimately, whether it's economically bad or it financially, I'm not saying it should be financial murder, but it financially is going to be rocky, but long term, it's the right thing to do. And I suppose yeah. then it's like, how do we then educate, how do we like lead leaders or educate leaders or help leaders be braver and know that there is another way? And that that's the challenge here isn't it 
I don't know how mm. we can do that. And, 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 and I suppose I'm going to flip that question. Who do you know in your communities now? Who's leading the way? Who's really doing great things? They're a business. You know, they, they, they're, uh, you know, they're a business and they're doing amazing things. Who, who can we put a spotlight and talk about here? Um, yeah, look, I mean, I'd, I, I would always reference my friend across the road, Tom Kay, who runs Finisterre, a, a brand that's had, you know, people and planet at its heart since its inception and, um, and has grown much, much bigger. But, um, but has really kept those values and that culture right at its heart um, and it's very authentic and it's best to, they, they do their, their best to to um, to um, to um, to reduce their impact so um, so yeah um, they're, they're good um, you know who else do do um, do I think are, are good in in the spaces what are this there's all sorts of sort of upstarts um, in the um, in the environmental sort of environmental sort of uh, more sustainable sort of you know product line, and I think there's there, there's many um, who who sort of innovate from the very small and, and actually sort of are trying to trying to um, you know you know really trying to start something they can sell on. Um, that, that often will lose those those um, those values along the way, but but I think you'd, you'd you'd always look at the sort of north stars of of Patagonia, of Finisterre, um, a Howie's for things of how you can do well in the in the the keeping keeping values right right close to the centre of your your business. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm currently reading the um, the book from Yvonne Chouinard, the um... Is it let them go surfing i can't remember the title yeah, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just amazing and you know from day one because he was a climber he surfed you know yeah. he was truly connected with the environment and the sports that he did and it was just lived and breathed through the climbing gear and then obviously into then the fashion and i suppose you know that that he's he's created this blueprint of how you can do it now obviously yeah. that works in his business his sector then you've got hundreds and you know, thousands of different types of business and um, businesses and uh, sectors that have these business models that are built on unsustainable practice, unsustainable yeah. materials. And I suppose for them to change, it's like a big oil tanker, you know, turning around, pardon the pun. But yeah. I suppose what we need to look at is the businesses that are doing it and their methodology and their systems and look at the blueprint and then try and you know cleverly intelligently fund businesses so they can look at new sustainable business models i know i've seen on linkedin now that there's more people trying to be like sustainable consultants to try and go into businesses and say look yeah. we've got to change these things and i suppose we need to amplify that more we need to go into these big corporations and look at everything that they're doing and say there's got to be another way here. And, and it's not going to be a cheaper way. We have to be very clear about that. It is going to be expensive to change this, but long-term it has, it is worth it. It's got to not, be done. And yeah, look, 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 I agree. I think there's a, sort of a few things. I mean, I mean, unless people are really sort of, um, you know, well sort of trained and sort of educated in the right sort of, you know, as it were, you know, supply chain materials, um, sort of understandings, it can be hard to really understand some of those, those, you know, the big, big business sort of decisions. Um, I mean, what, what I'd, I'd probably say is that A, think about, think about where everything comes from, you know, try and, you know, if you, you know, if you can buy things that supports a smaller supply chain from local people, whatever, whether it's some food, whether it's, you know, restaurants that source locally, whether it's clothing that's made, you know, closer to home, you know, Portugal instead of China, you know, those things can be really good, you know, so think about those things. I would also say we're in a, we're in a time when, when society has to be remodeled. Well, I mean, we, we has to happen because we're, we're very close to some, some, you know, some, you know, dangerous tipping points if we don't. But what I don't hear people talking about very much um, is the culture and the expectation that we're going to have less in the future. Um, and we need to have less and we need to consume less because we have a junk economy. And it's not just junk food. 
it's not just junk plastic. There's just junk everywhere. We're all we're all marketed junk all day long that keeps this booming economy growing all the time. You know, stupid products that the world doesn't need, stupid things that you keep for seconds and then end up in the charity shop or in a tip. You know, we we have we have just junk everywhere in our lives that is pushed on us. Yet we have a society that's less and less happy. We have a mental health crisis. We have people struggling for time. We have people not, you know, not having enough time with their their uh, friends and family. We have a junk digital economy too. We have people scrolling endlessly through junk content of memes of cats and hedgehogs doing stupid things on their phones, wasting electricity, wasting server space. And actually, what we need to start doing is going. Look, we might we're probably going towards a time when the, the richest countries the most developed economies need to start going that we're going to consume less because it's it's a fallacy that the whole world is going to rise up to this you know this sort of this 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 level where everyone's got lives like we've got at the moment or better than we've got at the moment with everything being sustainable and fully fully good for the planet but but we can live better lives with less but you know what we can gain back from that is have more time we can have more time with our friends and family. We could have more time outdoors. We could have more time creating experiences with people. And that's that's really, I think, some of the stuff we've lost over, over the years, um, that um, we live such fast-paced lives where we're expected to consume consume fast. And, you know, we're often described as, as people, as consumers now by, by, you know, all of these businesses. And actually... You know, we we shouldn't be seen as just consumers. We're you know everyone is an individual, a person with 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 feelings um, and with with needs um, to, to 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 cover. But but we um, you know we should be we should be accepting that that what we consume and how we do it at the moment is not is not right. Um, and we've just come through what I would describe as a dress rehearsal for all of this, which is the pandemic. And I think if I said to you. Um, two years ago that overnight politicians could pass laws that would mean that you couldn't go and see your friends or family um, or um, or go to you wouldn't be able to go to work you wouldn't be able to go to the pub you'd have to stay at home you'd have to stay indoors um, you'd, you'd have laughed at me and said that that will never happen and I think we've got to accept that the, the, the government probably needs to be more ambitious on the things that should or shouldn't happen in business too because it can see quite clearly what is damaging the world, the proliferation of single-use plastics, the, the subsidies in fossil fuel companies, water companies extracting huge profits whilst they destroy our rivers, you know, which they may claim will take 250 billion or whatever they claim to, to prevent their sewage pollution, but our rivers are worth much more than 250 billion quid to, to this, this time now, to us and to our future in this country. So... So I think um, we've got to we've got to remodel things, and we've got to see much more ambitious legislation, policy, laws, holding business to account. You know, you know I think we're ready to to go. I think people go look. If there's an emergency, if we're losing this world that supports us, I think people go look. Of course, I'm not gonna. You know, who needs Kinder Egg toys anymore? Who needs who needs like who needs X, Y, and Z that's in the junk economy? We've got to get rid of the junk economy. It's not it's not healthy. It doesn't matter if it's growing. You know, um, you know, you wouldn't be proud of growing your 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 kid on junk food. You want to give your kid good food. So let's get rid of the junk economy. Totally agree. Um, in terms of creativity and messaging, then how do we how do we kind of educate? It all starts with education. It starts with putting a spotlight in this. How do we start using creativity to get people thinking about what is happening right now? I know that you work with you know you work with Enviral, and obviously that's they're playing a huge part in amplif amplification of messaging and connecting yeah. with people. But from a creative point of view, what, what have you seen that you think, wow, that is a brilliant idea and we should do more of that? Look, I think that, I think there's all sorts of amazing creativity and I'm a, sort of an oldish man now. So, um, so it, it tends not to sort of come from, 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 um, from sort of my, my, my peers come from young people like the great team at Enviral and uh, and other sort of agencies and and companies and, and and people people come up with great content and we've got amazing platforms to share it on. But I think ultimately, um, I'm much more interested in in change happening from you know it's not it's not just about education and it's often a you know a, 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 a moot point which is 
education is a is a get out clause for the current generation. So let's educate the kids to make sure that they can clean up the mess after we've all gone. We've sort of fucked up the planet. Let's give them the tools not to to to, to not fuck it up and also restore it. I think that the, the really key now is that that education is 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 a proxy for individual behaviour change. And actually, what we need to see is business and government behaviour change. Now, we 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 desperately need. The, the, the things that are killing the planet to stop um, for, for polluting businesses to be held to account and to be put out of business. We need to see a radical reshaping of, of and retooling of, of our world. What we've got to see now is on the really hopeful note is that this, this green revolution, this transition to, to renewable energy, to, to a different way of being is probably one of the biggest economic opportunities that the world has ever seen just it's going to be very different from what we've got now and so so the, the world needs to be ambitious we need to we need to to seize this opportunity we need to go further faster um and in in a bigger way to do that and people shouldn't see this as a as a as a, as a negative you know this will create jobs it will support people it will protect nature and that's what we now need to do on this this amazing place that we live um, called earth amazing Okay, cool. I'm mindful of time, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap this up with one last subject yeah. here, and I think this could this is could be really important. So the businesses and brands that listen to this show, one of the things that you that you've got um, on the Surface Against Sewage website is the plastic free community and how you can support a plastic free community. Yeah. What I'd quite like to do here is look at businesses and how they can create a plastic-free community in their workplace and, and the things that they do. So talk me through a couple of the steps that they could start thinking about and doing and, and exercising to have a kind of a plastic-free community at work. Yeah. Well, look, we, 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 I'm so proud of the plastic-free community leaders, and they're doing so much more than we ever, you know, help them, them sort of do. So we've got people doing just, just such brilliant initiatives around the country. But the, the, the principle sort of guiding five steps of it were 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 um were sort of quite simple and, and straightforward and when we devised this in 2016 um we sort of sort of copied really in a way the 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 transition towns and fair trade towns sort of models um of of different you know different things that community leaders could do to 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 work with business and bring people together and run events to 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 message people and take action and there was nothing like this in the plastic space and so we we designed it and um and um and it went down really well i thought you know when we launched it i thought well if we could get 125 communities by by 2020 that'd be great and we've got 850 now representing you know millions of people around the country you know sort of theoretically um and a business can get involved and they can actually take a step and just come to our plastic free website and um, sign up as an individual business and it just means that they need to start reducing their plastic footprint get rid of you know if you're a cafe you could get rid of you know three items your you know um you know uh, sachets of ketchup your your plastic um you know plastic um um you know um you know sort of um uh, forks and knives cutlery um and you might want to do away with you know some have gone extreme and done away with things like you know coffee cups and gone for a pretty reusable sort of circular way so so you know you can come in and just uh, and just be part of it i mean i think the great thing is is once you're part of a community you've got a sort of a peer group around you people who think the same are trying to do the same thing and it becomes more than just plastics it's about it's about your whole footprint as a society as a local sort of community but also how you support each other and how you know you bring stuff back to your local sort of area and think about you know the, the values-based stuff that we're talking about how you connect support each other and create a better world yeah 100 i'd be quite interested to see what businesses can do i like the idea that they're supporting each other encouraging each other coming up with imaginative creative ways to help them because it, it doesn't it, it leads on to other things like it's like exercise health other things that they can do to contribute um but but so many people that i i talk to um still don't know about these things or if they don't know about it they don't care about it but it only takes one or two people in the business to say hey this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm going to do. Even if they don't, if the other people don't contribute, they can see it. They can feel it. They can see what's going on. And just one person in a business 
can make a big change. So in yeah. terms of any of the businesses or brands that are, that are listening to this and, and, and interested in getting involved, where, where should we send them? Where, what, what, where, you know, should they go to your website? Where would you like to send the... Yeah, look, just come to sas.org.uk and the journey can start there. There's lots of things. You can join a beach clean. You can become a citizen scientist. You could, you know, start a plastic-free community. You could join a plastic-free community. You could become a member. You could meet up with your local regional rep at a, a local event. You could um, sign up for water quality alerts at your favourite beaches and then join a digital campaign to pressurise water companies, CEOs and local MPs to take more action. There's so many things people can do, something for everyone. And we're, a, we're an open, inclusive, diverse charity. We're more than surfers, work on more than sewage, and there's something for everyone to get involved with. Wicked. Here you go. Again, I just want to just tip my cap to you in the work that you do it's so important the things that you're doing and it's so needed and yeah i just want to say thank you for your time thank you for talking about these things on the show and i'd love to catch up with you again maybe in the new year and we'll we'll go further and talk about more stuff yeah well look, thank you so much for having me um real pleasure to talk to you and um yeah thanks to everyone for listening um and definitely we'll do something in the new year nice one cheers i hope you enjoyed that conversation Afterwards, I felt really different about my own contribution to the cause. What am I doing in my life that I can reduce some of the things that damage the environment or damage the seas or contribute to plastic pollution or sewage pollution? I've started thinking about how my business can support this cause and be better. And it's also made me really think about what can I do to amplify Hugo's message or surfers against sewage message or just the message for marine conservation and protection so it's something that I'm I'm going to work harder to be better and I'm also going to try and do more work within Brandmaster Flash and with my agency just to try and help and really tackle this important subject if you want to know more about Hugo and the work that he does at Surfers Against Sewage, then I'm going to leave his details and the organisation's details in the show notes. I'll leave it in the comments um, with the video on the platform that you're watching this. And then you can get in contact and see where you can help and be part of this really important cause. But as always, be useful, be kind, and I'll see you all soon. Bye-bye.